You are listening to the Fire and Lunch podcast. As a reminder to those listeners wishing to remain unspoiled for the books, run. This is an all-spoiler podcast. All published books and novellas are fair game. Thanks. And who are you, the proud face said, that I must eat this pie? This podcast is brought to you by the Moat Kaelin Magical Portal, otherwise known as the New Gates of Winterfell. Just ride through and you'll be right outside Winterfell's majestic walls. Never mind those Bolton banners. Also works for Ravens. Hello, we are Fire and Lunch. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 31. Hi, Sparrow. I'm Jess. I'm Jenny. And I'm Megan. So we're going to start off, before we talk about the episode, our getting to know us section. So a few of us in Fire and Lunch are going to the Philadelphia Rent Fair. So would you guys like to quickly talk about that? So some of us are going to be going to the Philadelphia Renaissance Fair that's on May 16th because the actor that plays the mountain is going to be there. So you should check it out if you're in the area. And if you're in the area, just let us know and maybe we'll do like a meetup afterward. Um, I have a question. When mm-hmm. you say he's going to be there, is he going to be like lying on a table with a blanket over him <laughs> and, and occasionally like just do like a, a jerk up? <laughs> I mean, I think that'd be amazing, but be I think amazing. what's more awesome is that there's like a workout session or something, right? Yeah, you can, we can work out with the mountain. It's like part of the special VIP packages. I could yeah. do the new mountain workout, just lying on a table, occasionally like moving my <laughs> muscles. <laughs> and you can take pictures with him. Yeah. We have a couple um, photo ops that we get to do, so. Is he going to be shirtless like he was when he killed that guy? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to wear my Dorn Remembers shirt to take a picture with him is he gonna like punch out your eyeballs you're gonna have that picture that I photo sh- op? i should i should have him do that that'd be or, exciting <laughs> or for laura or for lauren bring grapes and just like have him like <laughs> grabbing them <laughs> we should buy grapes and be like can you squeeze these in your hands until they're like running blood down them thanks okay. <laughs> and then be, he'll proceed yeah. to walk in the other direction <laughs> So yesterday, uh, you all went to Princess Bride Trivia. So first of all, what was your team name? Because I don't know what it was. Our team name was the Dread Pirate Murdoch Avocados at Sea. I love it. We got a few (laughs) claps, but the guy reading it was a little bit like, what am I reading? He was like, the Dread Pirate Murdoch? Clearly does not watch Daredevil. And I think we need to note that the trivia was in Hell's Kitchen, so it was really appropriate. Was it at the Twins? No. No. It was at the Chelsea Grill. Okay. How was it there? Good? It was okay. It was all right? <laughs> what did what, you guys place? So, I, I kind of lost track. We were, like, tied with four other teams, but we were, like, nine points off the lead. But I think we were in, like, sixth or seventh or something. But the best part about this trivia was the fact that Rachel, like, lost her mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen her get that into a trivia except for the first time we did Trivia Nice and Fire. Um, details. <laughs> well, she's apparently seen the movie like 300 times, and so she feels like she should know all the questions, but they ask some really crazy questions, particularly at the end when the last five questions of the lightning round were all about the screen-capped baseball game that he was playing in his room <laughs> before the story starts. And she was like, I know every other thing in that room. I know what books are on the shelves. I know what, what hat he's wearing. I know what coat he's wearing. Why are you asking about this stupid baseball game? Is she going to Star Wars trivia? Yes, I think oh, so. Oh, wow, that's going to be fun. 
I, I kind of want to go to it now just to see, like, if that gets her nerd rage. I don't know. <laughs> it was it was great. Um, So we're going to start off with our Frey Pie rating. So, Jenny, for any new listeners, you just want to explain to them what our, the Frey the Pie <laughs> rating system is? Well, Wyman Manderley hunted his prey, the phrase. See how I worked that in there? I saw that. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> And he his his prey that were phrase were Jared, Simon, and Rhaegar, and then he baked them into pies, and we became obsessed. So we rate our episodes based on those prey pies. Rhaegar is the best pie, obviously. Jared in the middle, and Simon is sadly the last because he's the youngest, and so for him, Aww. he just seems so less sad. tasty for some reason. Because his name is Simon. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Megan, what is your rating on this oh, episode? You went to me first, even though I told you beforehand I didn't know what I wanted to give it. I don't want, I don't want you to be influenced by other people's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, actually, I'll start by saying that Rachel was supposed to join us for this podcast, but she can't make it because of work. And she actually gives the episode a Rhaegar, which is pretty rare for her if you follow us. So, it's not that rare. I feel like this is like a, a common thing now. No, for her though, I mean, she doesn't usually do that. I'm you surprised know. that she's giving it a Rhaegar considering some of her issues. She says she has complicated <laughs> reasons okay. why, but unfortunately, we'll, we'll address some of her feelings about this episode but later. But she gives it a Rhaegar. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to go with my gut, because when I first finished watching it, I was thinking Rhaegar as well. But now I feel like, oh my god, I'm being really generous early on in the season. What's going to happen next? But this episode includes two of my favorite moments in the books, like probably top five moments, so that's why I was really happy with it. Rhaegar. Okay, Jenny? Um, I'm still hesitant to give things to Rhaegar, so I'm going to go with Megan's new rating of Jared Alla Mode with Rhaegar Ice Cream. <laughs> Because I'm going to give the Rhaegar ice cream to those moments that we really like, and everything else is really solid, and I'm still really enjoying the season. You know, guys, I'm a teacher, and, you know, sometimes people don't get very great grades, but it's okay. You know, you tried, you made an effort. (laughs) So I don't think a Jared is a bad grade, and that was going to be my grade for it, a Jared. Uh, I was actually more positive about it on our initial viewings, and I sat down and I thought about it, and let me guess I'll start with the positive. Um, The parallels between all the Stark children, I really, really love, particularly um, Sansa having to embrace her inner Stark while Arya has to lose that, and the conflict they each had in them, I thought that was really well done, and the use of the internal monologues of the books um, you know, the show has difficulty with that sometimes, like portraying that on screen. But there were about three scenes I noticed where the internal monologues of the characters were were shown on the show. And I really appreciated that, even though they're a little bit different than how they are in the books. But I can't give it a Rhaegar because I kind of be honest, guys, I kind of thought the like House of Black and White scenes and the High Sparrow scenes were kind of boring. Like I rewatched them and I'm like not into it. Which is sad because it's our kind of our introduction into those places, and I, and I just, you know, it was fine. It wasn't bad or anything, but I wasn't particularly like amazed by it, which I, you know, I thought it was going to be because I was really looking forward to it. Um, so it's a Jared for me. Hi, Jared. A very nice Jared. So maybe a Jared a la mode. Yeah, maybe a Jared a la mode. Maybe not with the regular <laughs> ice cream, but Jared a la mode. Yeah. With Jared ice cream. Maybe some Jared ice cream, uh, pistachio ice cream, because okay. I, I like that. 
It's not vanilla. It was exciting stuff, okay? Some water ice cream? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so for this new season, we are going to do awards. Uh, we've been doing over the past two episodes. So who would you guys award the episode MVP to? Apparently the cosplay skills of uh, the brothel in Volantis. As Rachel referred to it as the sexy Danny cosplay, which is just Danny's usual outfit without her pants but on. My question is, like, where did they get the exact specifications of that costume? Like, are they, is there, like, spies that sneak into Marine to, like, sketch her? So they Jenny, you've been to Comic-Con. You've seen, like, the amazing cosplays people do of, like, Marjorie's <laughs> dresses. her. We don't know that. Maybe, Maybe they some have. of Maybe... them have. Maybe they have Littlefinger's magical portal and they were in Marine and now they're in Volantis. <laughs> it's only works for, to get to Winterfell. <laughs> Maybe Drogon gave them a ride. We don't know. We don't know where he's been up to. Yeah. I mean, people he travel. Has, you know he could, all blondes look alike. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> Could've been it. Uh, but yes, it was a very nice costume minus the pants. <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't understand why Jorah wasn't like he was like disgusted by it. I'm like, you should be turned on right now. <laughs> well, yeah, in the books, wasn't he? Yeah, like, yeah, he was... he was a creepy guy who was sleeping with exactly. the chick. Yeah. And which I we should point out that in one of Rachel's nerd rages, <laughs> maybe he's not a butt man. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. So we we came up with a new segment of the for the podcast called Ollie Watch, and this actually <laughs> ties back to Jenny last week in the show notes where would you made a note of Ollie's looks in the scenes. So Jenny, just want to explain what Ollie Watch is for the listeners. Ollie Watch is the ticking time bomb that is Ollie and waiting for him to stab John. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh because we will cry if we don't laugh. <laughs> But, like, at first I was like, no! And then I was like, oh, how did I not see this? All these little looks he's giving. Wait, 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 guys. Melisandre took Bowen Marsh that we've never seen and has glamoured him to look like Ollie. <laughs> Ollie? That's, that's what you're going with? Yes. <laughs> I don't think Ollie's going to be the first stabber. He's not going to oh, be no, the he's gonna be. he's going to be Brutus. Yeah. I think he'll be part of it, though. Yeah, I think he'll be part of it, but I don't think he'll be the first stabber. So, so what exactly caused the Ollie, like, you know, look of evil, like, death stare at Jon Snow this episode? What was it that did it? Jon used the word free folk. Mm, <laughs> and as we know from season, what was it, four last year, Ollie's yeah. uh, family was killed by the free folk, particularly, was it Egret, right? She killed his, his kids yep. with his mom and his dad. So, like, he has no love for the free folk. And so when Jon used that word... Uh, he just gave him a bitch, what'd you say, look? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, say I it think... again, say it again. <laughs> Not only that, but I think in, in when he said it, John wasn't saying something bad about them. He was, you know, implying that maybe they could work together. Because that's when Stannis was saying, well, maybe Tormund will be more open to negotiating. And John yeah. was like, well, some people here hate them, but then some people would be okay. For and Ollie's sitting there going, I, I hate them, me, me. Yeah. <laughs> Death to them all. <laughs> I really liked, so Katie also left a note about Ollie and just making a note about why this will seem plausible. Because I think some people are like, oh, he would never. But it's like, dude, they killed his family, like in his whole like village or what was the word they used? Hamlet or something. Yeah, I think so. 
and he's just a kid. Like he's like younger than when John joined the Night's Watch. So why is he expected to be okay with John like making friends with the Free Folk? I mean, I I love the Free Folk, and I think John's totally right in this situation. But I still wouldn't expect Ollie to be okay with it. Yeah, and it's also important to know as a kid, kids are impressionable. They, you know, and I'm sure there could be people in the Night's Watch who are aware of Ollie's, you know, backstory and what happened to him with the Free Folk and may manipulate that and prey upon that to get Ollie to his side. You know what I mean? That's totally something I can see them doing. I don't know who's the person in the Night's Watch to do it, right? But Yeah, because we we don't know who's going to be the instigator yet. I just hope it's not Thorne. That's probably another conversation. I just don't know who else is there. I know. (laughs) Who else could they (laughs) be? Dolores Ed, he's bitter because he wasn't picked as (laughs) the steward. (laughs) Dolores Ed didn't get to fetch a block, so now he's going to stab Jon Snow. Oh, I was going to say Pip, and then I realized, (laughs) oh, he's (laughs) too soon. Too soon. Can we bring in Iron Emmett? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, they should. Yeah. Well, what's a, what's a, what's what was the um the cook who was in episode nine? Oh, oh. yeah. Three Finger Hob. Yes. yes. There's plenty of guys. How about that ginger? He doesn't like. Oh yeah, maybe it's a ginger. Brian, that's the guy's name. He can't handle it anymore, and he's like, ugh, stabbing him. That's a that's a great motivation for killing Jon Snow. That he seemed very pleased about it. He's like, yeah. Not only did he have to dig latrines, he's also being called a ginger. Yeah. But see, John likes gingers. He does like gingers. You'd think he'd give him a better job. It's true. Like warming his bed. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on now. (laughs) Let's move on to the Ned Stark Award. So the Ned Stark Award is basically an award where people put honor before sense, and I put down the the Kerwins. They're called or the Serwins. Kerwin, right? That's what are they called? I think in the show they said Kerwin. I think. Yeah, the Kerwins. I've always called them Serwins. The Kerwin family. Um, that's the family that's the closest family, like I guess, in vicinity to Winterfell. And so in the scene in the episode, like Ramsey basically went there collecting taxes. They refused saying, bitch, you ain't a Stark. <laughs> and then Ramsey proceeded to flay everybody except the youngest son who, you know, had smarts about him. He was like, okay, I'll pay my taxes to you. Don't flay <laughs> me alive. So the honor before uh, sense award goes to um, that entire family. Aww. I also yeah. want to shout out to Stannis for trying to give the Ned Stark award to, to Jon Snow. Yeah, totally. he did try to. He did. Say, <laughs> John is like, I can think of no higher praise. He's like, that ain't a compliment. <laughs> He's like, it was a program, John. It was great. Do you not read the books? <laughs> Do you trust Littlefinger too? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so our next award is the favorite fan shout out award. And what did you guys give it to? I mean, I kind of agree. I guess. I don't know. This is hard. I guess I, I will go with the Stannis nod just because I wasn't sure if they would keep it. And I'm glad that they kept the Stannis nod. I'm very glad. And it's funny. Rachel writes in the show notes, the boner Stannis got when John <laughs> chopped off Janice's head, to which I say the boner I got, the lady boner I got when he did that. It was so subtle. And I'm like, oh, I'm so turned on. I was waiting for gifts. You don't understand. I was like reblogging Tumblr, like checking all the tags, the Stannis tags, like really really insanely like on sunday night for it and then he popped up and i was was very happy it's the little things that make me very a very happy fan 
don't know other fan shout outs that we can think of guys I don't know if it's like a fan shout out, but like the the Tyrion pissing in Volantis totally reminded me of the scene where he pisses off the wall. Well, at least Jon yeah. didn't have to shake his hand. <laughs> I mean, that's Jon's. No, that's right. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but that was like my favorite. Like I don't know if it was like a fan shout out. It was definitely like a shout out to like the first season. And I it was, was like, good yes. continuity. It was a good callback. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was there, was there like a, I'm wondering if there's like a parallel gift set of that? I, I haven't seen. <laughs> and there one is. There, I'm pretty sure I've seen it. <laughs> if there is, yeah. can somebody send it to Fire and Lunch, and I will reblog that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is our favorite one-liner for the show. Um, would you guys? What was your favorite zingers from this episode? I do like that. It's a pretty good face from Ferris. Yeah, I really do like that one. That's probably my favorite. I think it's his delivery. And Tyrion's yeah. like, I, I'm going to go mad. All I've seen is your face. He's like, it's a perfectly good face. And I'm like, oh, Marys, <laughs> let me hug you. I love you. Though I do have to give like a runner up to the wine comment Marjorie gives just because I almost felt like she was channeling the fans. So maybe this is a fan shout out instead. <laughs> because, of course, as fans, we've been pointing out that Cersei does love her wine. More wine, that gift that Rachel <laughs> seems to love to use. Um, I'm gonna go with Winter is Coming. So I, I, you know, anything related back to like the Starks, I, I really love. Like any sort, like the North remembers Winter is Coming. I'm like, yes, give me all the Stark feels right now. You can say it every episode, and I will be perfectly fine and happy. It's true. We did get a the North remembers. Oh, oh I love that line too. Like it's like yes in context instead of like, you know episode titles that came way too early (laughs) way too early i'm still waiting for the wolves will come again line except jojen's dead (laughs) (laughs) i hope it's like i would like sansa or somebody it'd be nice if it was a stark that said it yeah yeah maybe she'll say it back to the random servant Oh, that's good. So it's like a Valor Morghulis. (laughs) (laughs) The North remembers the wolves will come again. (laughs) That's how we should just greet each other. Oh my god. (laughs) Not Dario Sexy is coming. Not not Dario Sexy is coming. The North remembers the wolves will come again. (laughs) I think Rachel would then shoot us if we did that. So there were a lot of great Ramin moments. Um, In the show notes, Megan, you mentioned the use of Goodbye Brother. That we've yes. used the number of we times. We call it the Sad Stark song. You call this, I call it Goodbye Brother because that's what it's titled on <laughs> I know, the season one soundtrack. It's the Sad Stark song because they generally only like playing it when they're sad. They're always sad. That's true too. <laughs> I was saying, why isn't it played over every single Jon Snow scene? <laughs> <laughs> but I really did like the use of using it with Sansa and Arya in this episode. I do too. I so do too. Very effective. And I do like that they... I know that there's mixed feelings about this in the fandom, but I do like that they use the same music for Theon, Rob, and John doing their first beheadings. It's like yeah, I do too. It's like the beheading song. Yeah, it's a beheading song. <laughs> they couldn't use it for Danny because you know she's not passing. Um, she's not swinging the sword. Yeah. Yeah. So if she had she done that, they would have had the <laughs> that song. So it might be a little <laughs> awkward with, with a Danny scene. I wonder how she would have done. What, with uh, killing? Yeah. Well, she's a Targaryen. It would have been, like, perfect. <laughs> not I mean, a hair would... A hair would not, would not have, like, gotten, like, misplaced. It would, everything would have been perfect. And she would have been able to keep her pants on, too. <laughs> <laughs> pants will stay on. <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> so should we move on? Yes. <laughs> so there are a bunch of introductions this episode. Um, and I guess goodbye. the most notable, <laughs> and a notable goodbye. And a notable goodbye. Well, we'll Hell talk yeah. more about the goodbye later on in in, in the podcast when we get to um, Jeno Slint losing his head. Spoiler. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Um, let's talk about, I guess, the most important uh, new introduction into the show is the the High Sparrow. What did you guys think of his introduction? I thought it was good, actually. I didn't have a problem with it, and I love Jonathan Price, so I'm actually really excited to see where this goes. Jenny, what did you feel? I thought it was interesting. I didn't. I didn't have any problems with it. Yeah, I didn't have any problems either. I just felt it was kind of, like, boring. I don't know because the High Sparrow is like such this 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 huge force in the books, and it's kind of like, and you've seen all these. Um, I guess that was the whole point, right? All these like, what's his face, Lancel, and all of them like going and attacking people, and then you get to him, and he's kind of just a guy, a dude. I don't know. I was expecting something, I guess, more. I don't know, just more fanatical. Yeah, fanatical. Yeah, I something think it's like that. Kind of interesting though that he just has like a quiet confidence. Like I think he is that devout and that fanatical i just think he's holds it in when he's talking to people yeah i was gonna say he's toning it down for now jess it's gonna come out later (laughs) yeah but those are people aren't those the most scariest people right those that's why it works it's kind of like a bruce bolton kind of thing yeah i think yeah that's probably it but yeah i i liked it i didn't love it and i don't know i was was expecting i was just expecting more you know, not that I was disappointed or anything. I just, you know, like you were saying, Jenny, something like more of, because, you know, so many people have such great entrances into the show. And I just felt his was like, oh, okay, he's here. But I guess we'll, you know, I guess I'll probably appreciate it more after we've seen a bunch more scenes with him. And then I can look back at it and say, oh, it was actually like a pretty, pretty good introduction. And then they also introduced the waif. Um, I like the waif, but that's probably my bias for the actress playing her. Faye Marseille from The White Queen, and she was also in this great little British film called The Pride um, that was nominated for a BAFTA this year. So I, I, I'm coming at it from the perspective of somebody who really likes the actress. I know there was some internet controversy over them changing her race. So how do you guys even feel about that? Are you okay with that, the change, or are you cool with the actress? I don't even remember how she was described in the books to even... Like, yeah, same, same, same for me. Whether or not she was one race or the other, I don't know if she had a description. I honestly don't remember. I didn't really remember either, to be honest. Which is why I'm kind of okay with it. Um, just because you know, it's it's a side character. You know, I don't want I don't want them to cast like people of color in these like one off scenes. You know what I mean? She's not going to amount to like anything important in the overall the storyline. So I'm kind of cool with it now. When it's like major characters, um, Stan, Stan Snakes. I'm sorry. Um, then I get a little bit. <laughs> Tell us what I you, get a little how you bit, really feel. Tristan. Yeah, yeah, Tristan. Yeah. I get a little bit more frustrated. But I think for these like side characters who are kind of like just there, I, 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 I'm not as indignant as. Um, some fans will be but it's okay if they are and everybody has a right to um, their opinion and their feelings on that um so robert strong came back this is a reintroduction well it's a confirmed happy twitch as rachel pointed out happy in twitch, is that what we're calling it now <laughs> it's a confirmed happy twitch <laughs> i wonder if we'll see more twitches i'm sure we will sure. and ugh. in philly <laughs> Because I told you he's going to be on the table <laughs> with the blanket over him. Oh, my God. Do the twitch. Do the twitch. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
<laughs> Sorry, guys. So we got some new locations in addition to some new characters. Um, what did you guys think of the House of, of Black and White, the interior of it? I loved it. Like, I thought it looked really good. And creepy, I think appropriately so, but also really cool. I thought it looked good. I liked seeing all the different statues of the gods, since we never got to see any of that going into Base Death Rock. Back in season one. That is true. It's too, it was too dark for me. I was like, I need some light in here. I thought the wall scenes were dark. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm like, can we get, can we get another candle here, please? I can't make out the drowned god, and I don't know who the maiden is. I don't know which one's which. <laughs> no, I thought it was fine, but I totally didn't understand what the hell was going on, even in that scene. Well, I guess we'll talk about this scene later, but I'm like, I had no idea. I'm like, why is this guy dying from drinking the water? I just need to be in the book. That's in the I book. know. I, I just, I feel like I need to reread, like, A Feast or Coast. I'm like, I know this is probably really important, and this is probably, like, book accurate, but I have no idea what's going <laughs> just- on. Jess, you need to stop reading those Jon Snow chapters over and over. I think that's what it is. I'm like, wait, Arya had chapters in the books? She's a point of view character? Oh my god. And what about Volantis? Do you guys like Volantis? I mean, I, I mean, I was, we didn't actually see that much of it. I mean, Katie points this out in our notes. Like, we just saw basically an alleyway that could have been in any city. <laughs> and we saw the slaves with the face tattoos. I mean, they didn't show too much. I mean, I guess it seemed fine. The thing that sh- that Katie pointed out, and I actually think this is really a good point that she made, that it I don't maybe this isn't intentional on their part. It's just the way it's working out. But how diverse like the warship of Relor is, because you know the priestess was Asian. It was Totsi from Arrow. Yeah, and I kept thinking, I was like, she looks so familiar. Where have I seen her? I think I've seen her in something else besides Arrow, and I couldn't, like, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, I know this actress from somewhere. Is she in Wolverine? Yeah. She's probably been in a lot of things. she's in Wolverine. Okay. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, Yeah, I knew it. I I knew I've seen her from some some superhero thing. Lauren and I were joking that that's what Tatsu's been up to while uh, Maseo's been in the league. She's been off being a priestess of Valor. I do like how they used, um... Melisandre's uh, Melanie Lot kind of seven scene. Yeah, I did in too. this scene because you know Mel was a slave, and then like, she came into like you know the Red God kind of saved her in a way, and so I like how they they brought this up with this person. So no, I thought it was interesting. I wonder what that look was, but I guess we'll we'll talk about that when we get to the Tyrion stuff. Mm-hmm. And does Camp Sparrow count as a location? <laughs> It's another alleyway in Ping's Landing that we haven't seen before. We might have seen it in that scene with Marjorie with the children when she gives them all the toys. I suppose. Maybe. Yeah, I feel like all these scenes have been used, these alleyways have probably been used like over and over and over again. There were some shots like when Tyrion, not Tyrion, when Sansa and Littlefinger on that hill. I'm like, I think I've seen this a million times. <laughs> like, I feel like I have. So uh, what is everybody's rigor a la mode moments for this episode? Well, clearly the Ollie fetch me my sword. <laughs> I mean, I mean, should we backtrack a bit, a bit, and talk about the John Stannis Davos scene, or should we just jump straight into Janna Slint losing his head, which is like Jon Snow's hottest moment? Really oh yeah. Well, let's talk about the Janna's uh, beheading scene because I feel like there's a lot more discussion about um the the Davos scene. 
um, for later on. So you guys like the scene. You guys are happy with it. I was happy with it. I think as far as, because I know, I mean, we, I, we could talk about this later. Or we could just do it now. But the show doesn't have as much time as the books. So, of course, it's in a much more compressed time period that he's giving Slint the order and Slint refuses than what happens in the books. But I still thought the show handled it really well. And I thought it was a great moment for John and a great moment for Slint. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think it was done well for the show. I, I mean, the only thing... I mean, I guess this gets a little bit into nerd rage, and it's not the line, but um, I kind of miss the, because he decides to hang him first in the book, so I kind of miss that yeah. moment where he decides, no, I don't want to do that, I want to do it the way that Ned would have. I mean, that's where you get the Ed Fetch Me a Block line, because that's when you realize what he's doing instead. That's like his moment of decision, and I kind of miss that. Yeah, that is very but, true. But otherwise, I think it, they did it well for the show. Yeah. And can I just say, like, when Dance with Dragons came out, I got it on my Kindle, so I had to wait till, like, 3 a.m. East Coast time. <laughs> so I instead, I went to bed early and woke up really early so I could read some before I went to work. And I got as far as that chapter. And I was like, you know what? I need to stop right now because nothing else in this book is going to live <laughs> up to that moment that just happened. <laughs> Oh, how wrong you were, Megan. <laughs> well, and I was just like, this is totally hot. Like, I, yeah, I was like, I love you. Yeah, other scenes, not so hot. No, well, you know. Yeah. Um, I really liked it, and I when I was rewatching the episode yesterday when you all are at Trivia and I was alone grading papers, <laughs> I was thinking, of my, I'm watching it, and I noticed, like, um, when Janos begins to, like, repent guess he's like i'm so sorry for all the things i've done i think like something clicked in john and like wait a minute he remembers the fact that like you know this guy was the one who betrayed his father and that's something he thinks about in the books where he's like you know i offered you mercy like a, i gave you a second chance something you didn't offer my father mm-hmm. is like a line he uses in 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 a dance of dragons so i kind of like that little like moment on on John's face where he kind of thinks about it for a second and he's like registering something and he's like you know what fuck you screw you you know so it's yeah he's oh disobeying an order but I think a little bit of John is doing that for you know personal reasons a little bit of stark revenge against Janos Slint and I know Kit actually mentioned this in the um the Game of Thrones on the Game of Thrones YouTube page that moment and I'm like yes Kit you understand my feelings you're the perfect Jon Snow for this reason (laughs) He, and, but he also did talk about how it seems like he's murdering someone in cold blood. and Which, you know, I guess technically <laughs> that's true. Not, I, that, that being said, I still am not weeping for Genoslint. Well, I don't, well, we, you know, I don't consider it murder. He was, diso- it's a military order and he was disobeying, his, disobeying a superior officer. And it was interesting. I was just looking at like comments online because I think it was Katie that was mentioning, was it somebody in, in the show notes about how the Unsullied may look at John differently? Oh, yeah. As like well, a murderer. I, well, she first brought it up, like just saying like from a modern perspective, yeah, you are like, oh no, you don't, you can't kill him. You need to give him therapy. You need to like give him mercy. And then I pointed out Kit's comment. And then I said, I wonder if Unsullied will think that it wasn't, that it was too harsh just because it happens in such a quick succession in the show, as opposed to the books. I mean, in the books, it's like he gives him the order. There's like a night or at least like, you know, many hours because there's like a whole night and he's like, pack your stuff, be gone in the morning. Morning happens, you know, Flint still didn't leave. And then John gives him another chance. And then Flint still doesn't leave. And then he killed him. So it's just out of a longer time period. 
I don't know if yeah, from, Unsullied will think it's like rushed that he didn't give him more of a chance. I don't think they do. From the comments at least I read briefly, they were pretty pretty cool and they totally understood John's perspective on it. Like, no, this guy, kind of what I was saying, was disobeying an order and he, he should be punished for it. So I think like they're kind of cool. And I also think it's a lot of the fans kind of like that, like the Starks are, you know, taking the initiative and they're on the, you know, they're dealing out the punishment now as opposed to them constantly you know, getting beaten down. So yeah. I think it's a little bit um, refreshing for a lot of fans to see the Starks on the offense as opposed to constantly being on the defense. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of people are like, oh, John's a badass now. He was trending last night on Twitter, actually. So a lot of fans oh, were yeah. like, yeah, and a lot of fans are like, does something bad happen to John? I'm like, no, not yet. <laughs> oh, one of my there friends was, texted me asking if John so is dead. Tweets. They were like, oh, my God, John's trending. I don't want to look in the tag. It's probably something bad. I'm like, you're a few episodes early. Just wait. You guys, just wait. Oh, my God. Um, and I think we should also point out, though, another thing they did really well with the scene is that I think it's a good thing that they kept that Thorne does, like, step aside and is kind of like, bro, I'm not with you anymore. <laughs> you, st- you cross the line, like, with Slint. Because it's, I think, important to Thorne's character that – you know, he pushes John, but he also understands where the line is, and he doesn't yeah. cross that. Yeah, he understands the order of things, and I love um, that beat on the show, talking about, like, beats in the book as compared to the show where John is, like, giving out the order to, like, make the, um, you know, the shithole. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody thinks he's going to, like, give it to, like, you know, Alice or Thorne. Like, there's that tension in the air, and he gives it to um, the guy Brian, and then he names Thorne First Ranger, and a lot of people you can see on their faces are really, like, surprised by this. So, John, you know, say what you want about him, like, wanting revenge on people. But, you know, he's practical, and he recognizes merit in people, and, you know, he picks people based on their their abilities. And, you know, that's something I think I appreciate as a fan of Jon Snow. And I think Thorne probably really appreciates it, because <laughs> who knows if he would have done the same thing for John if he was in a similar situation. Probably not. Probably, probably not. Well, in the books, what do they say in the books? He's going to make you ride naked beyond the wall and freeze to death. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, nice guy. Yeah, I don't think he would have... I don't think he would have gone out of his way to make life easy for John, but I'm, I don't think he would have done anything too overboard, probably. I don't know. Well, I think he, there's a, like a begrudging respect between them. It's like, yeah, we hate each other, but you know, you can't discount somebody's merits and their and their abilities and their usefulness um, to the watch. Yeah. And I think like John recognizes that in, in Thorn. <laughs> he recognized that in Janos. He knew that Janos had like commanded the city watch, so he was going to give him a position that was to the best of his abilities. And Janos, being the idiot that he is, uh, <laughs> screwed that up. <laughs> so Davos. Yeah, Davos. I mean, I just have to say, I pointed out one comment Davos was raising in this conversation, and it, like, caused this whole thing to unfold on our, like, preparation notes document. I don't think we're going to get into it right now, right, Jess? Because we are actually going to do a Jon Snow debate at the end of the season to kind of talk about Book John and Show John and whether John was right. And just to give a little tease, just like Cyclops was right, I think John was right as well. (laughs) Mostly. <laughs> sort of right. Yeah. But just pointing out that I thought it was interesting that they had Davos really bring up the Night's Watch vow and how what it means to really protect the realms of men. 
And Davos was, of course, using it to mean, like, the Boltons are not the best thing for the realm. Keep that, keep this in mind, like, for the future. And I just think, one, it was interesting that they even brought this up, because I had been assuming that they weren't going to do, they weren't going to get to the stabbing the same way that the books do. So I'm, I was like, oh, so maybe they are going to bring some part of that into the stabbing situation. I thought this would only be stuff involving a hard home. So I thought that's why it was interesting. Or if it even could have just been D&D channeling the fandom, because there's a big part of the fandom that thinks John does need to get involved in Northern politics in order to win the coming battle with the White Walkers. So that's why I thought it was interesting. Well, if you even look at, like, the scene of um, Littlefinger and Sansa, like, riding over, and you see like, the shot of, like, Mokalin, like, clearly the Boltons. So Davos is not wrong in that regard, oh, that no. the Boltons are not good for the North. But I also feel, one of the things I love about the scene is, and we talked about it yesterday, was it was John's internal monologue. So I think what they're doing is they're letting that air out. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this to Megan in a text earlier, right before the podcast started, that a lot of people are saying John's going to take that in March south to Winterfell. But I think when he says the line about, like, you know, guarding the shield, the guards of the realms of men, that line that Davos makes Ollie say to him is John's going to use that to justify saving the free folk at Hardhome. So he's yeah. not going to use it towards Winterfell. He's going to use it towards the free folk, that line. And that's probably going to be the reason why that line is going to be, and the meaning of the line is probably going to be his downfall. The interpretation of it. And how appropriate yeah. that Ollie was there, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's all connected when he says the shield that guards the realms of men, and Davos is talking about Winterfell and the North, and John's going to take that and think that, no, we're talking about um, the wildlings. I'm sorry, the free folk. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Ollie's not here. Ollie's, not... <laughs> Ollie's looking over your shoulder right now. <laughs> Death stare. <laughs> But I do have to admit, I I kind of laughed when Davos mentioned the one true king to John, just because I kept thinking, hmm, really? <laughs> You're going to say this to John? <laughs> There's uh. only one true king, and his name is Stark. Oh, I love it's like that scene in a Game of Thrones where or Joffrey, you know, John says to Arya, "Bastards can't hit little little princes." Yeah. And it's like, it's oh, like, oh, if only you knew. Yeah, or even when John makes the comment to Sam, where he was like. Saying that because his sword was like Valyrian steel, he had to train because he had to get as strong as that or something like that. So I can't remember the exact wording, but I remember fans were laughing about it because they were like, but John, you do have Valyrian in you. <laughs> so, no one knows. I know, I know no one knows, but it's just funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically our document did explode into a much longer conversation about whether or not the Night's Watch or John should enter Northern politics. So... Just be ready for a really loaded debate that will happen this summer. <laughs> over that. Yes is my, my short tuned. answer to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And obviously, I'm yes. Um, there are some of us that are in the no group, so I think that will be Which is a pretty popular um, belief by uh, a, a huge part of the fandom. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to, let's move away from um, King, King's Landing. Let's move away from the win- <laughs> Winterfell. <laughs> I'll get these locations or I need oh the map God. in front of me, damn it. Jess, are you drunk? <laughs> no, I'm not, actually. I'm just very tired. We're going to move to King's Landing and Marjorie, Tommen, and Cersei. So what do you guys think of the um, Tommen scene? I know there was, like, a lot of internet controversy. And also, you know, Lauren particularly uh, wasn't a fan of the whole, uh, quote-unquote, sex scene that occurred between them, uh, given his age. What do you guys think of it? I mean, it was really tame, so it didn't really bother me. 
I mean, when yeah. I first heard they were going to do it, I was a little bit like, uh, I don't know if I want to see that, but I think they did it just fine. Yeah, I I mean, I think there's a divide here. So we're talking about Rhaegar all mode scenes, and I'm the one that added, like, the Marjorie, Tom, and Cersei stuff in King's Landing to the list, and then other people proceeded to completely disagree with me. So I think... I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I know Jenny agreed. I thought they did a really good job with the scenes for the wedding, and then Marjorie and Tommen, and then with Marjorie and Cersei, just because I... I don't know, I just felt they were really well done scenes. I, I mean... The scene with Marjorie and Tommen didn't bother me for the it was pretty tame and it was very tame actually. I mean there there wasn't really not anything going really going on there. So I was okay with that. And um I don't know. I thought the Marjorie and Cersei stuff was hilarious. I mean, I like watching <laughs> them play off of each other. Yeah. It's kind of what I wanted when I heard that they cast Natalie Dormer, so I just I don't know, I find it problematic too much. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an issue with some people think Marjorie went too far. And, I mean, my response to that is Cersei was a bitch from the beginning. <laughs> like, Cersei's gone further. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they from the very beginning, they've had an antagonistic relationship that I think Cersei mostly started. And so it's only natural that it would continue. Um, is it smart for Marjorie to push Cersei's buttons that way? Probably not. But I thought yeah. that it was good. And if we believe that this Marjorie is kind of new to all this and like she didn't know about Joffrey being poisoned, then you could believe she might, maybe she will make some mistakes and maybe she will take it way too far with some of the stuff she'll say. So. Um, what I noticed is because, you know, she's like the queen now, Marjorie, right? Yeah. She's the queen of Westeros. Why isn't she on the small council? Why is Cersei still there? The queen isn't necessarily on the small council, though. So Cersei's just there as who? Representative of the king? Yeah, she's representing Tommen, just like she was representing Joffrey before. Is Mace? Mace is on the council, right? Yes. I feel like I would love to see, listen, I would love to see like Marjorie more involved in the politics of running the realm. I would too. You know, not just as like catty, like little, I love it. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the banter between the two and the back and forth, like, you know in fighting even though it's obnoxious sometimes <laughs> it's very catty but like i would love to see her you know she's because she's, now she's in a position of power like this whole time she's been like manipulating everybody to gain her position now that she has her position i like to see her use her power beyond trying to get the people to love her but actually ruling i mean yeah it'd be fun to see i think she'd have to push her way onto the council though because when i mean in the beginning of the story i mean cersei's not on the council that's true. Yeah. She can kick her dad out. I think the only reason Cersei's on it now is because she's doing it in sort of a region yeah. kind of capacity. And I mean, it will be interesting to see if the show does make Marjorie kind of become more political in that way. Because I think in the books, it doesn't happen because she's younger. Like, there's right. not really a. I mean, there wouldn't no one no one would accept her basically right. taking on that role. In the show, she she's older, so they could go that route if they wanted to. I mean. I well, I know she's definitely going to get involved in like the politics in the north. Though you mentioned like they're not, she's not going to let Cersei like hurt Sansa or anything because she loves and adores her. So I guess like the diplomacy aspect of it, you know, I could see her getting involved in. But you know, as far as like wars and stuff, it'd just be nice to see her having a an opinion on those things, you know, beyond just you know getting gaining her position. I did, however, enjoy the scene where they're going through in the little carriages and everybody's screaming for Marjorie. And like, Can you blame them? Can you really blame them? No. 
No. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought that was amusing too, you know. But, you know, Cersei is not wise in that she has to endear herself to the people. You know, she's not a great politician in that regard, no. you know, no. playing and, that aspect of it. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, we're going to be watching Cersei's, like, downfall, basically. So it's only going to go downhill for her from here. Well, it's not going to go well for Marjorie either, so. No, but, you know, at least. Basically, everybody's downfall this season. This is the season of the downfall. Oh, don't bring it up. <laughs> I do love, I know, but I do love how the, the, the Lannisters are, like, you know, on the defensive and they're not kicking people's asses. I don't know. It amuses me as a Stark fan. I'm like, yes, this is what you get. I admit it amuses me as well. I don't know if that makes me a horrible person, but I'm like, hell no, yeah. It, exactly. I'm not shedding tears. I'm like, this is, you know what? This is what you get. You know, you, you're the one who started all this and now you got to live with it. Yeah. Bitch. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't call her that. So she's a very, a very um, nice yeah. lady. Well, yeah, I know sometimes. I called her she's not drunk earlier. <laughs> And I'm sorry, I actually don't like that word at all. But, you know, she is kind of heinous to some people. Yeah, so, so I was like, oops, don't want to use that word. But, you know, she could be really vicious. Well, she is. She, like, killed all those innocent, like, little people because they look like her brother. Yeah. and She's not entirely right in the head. No. <laughs> terrible people. Can oh, my God. Can move on to Bruce and Ramsey? Oh, yeah. So I'm the one that added this. as <laughs> Prager Holomotine. Only because I actually kind of liked the exchange between Bruce and Ramsey because I think... You know, it shows Roos is just as horrible as Ramsay in some ways, but he hides it much better, and he's also very calculating. And so I liked that the show had him acknowledge that his alliance is with the Lannisters was, like, basically shot with Tywin being dead. So I thought that was actually really interesting. So I liked that kind of shout-out. And we had a fat wall deciding. We did. So, you know, Always I kind of like Not in pink, though. No. no. In green, I think. There's no pink in this one. Except, unless you're Marcella. Unless you're a flayed body. Oh, God. Like that. Yeah, that part was, was gross. horrifying. <laughs> it was horrifying. But I do like that they acknowledge, and this is something Roos acknowledges to Ramsay. It's like, you know what? You gotta stop this, like, brutality. You're not gonna win the North by being so cruel. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna endear yourself to anybody with that sort of behavior. Like, Roos is definitely more of a, a politician than his son is but also Ramsey you know growing up a bastard probably wasn't like didn't have access to those like meetings and stuff so he doesn't know how to like rule but he's also like a crazy psychopath if you flay <laughs> all of your supposed supporters you will have none left then <laughs> who's gonna be left to pay the taxes <laughs> yeah Exactly. <laughs> well, he oh did leave God. one member of that family alive, so there is someone to pay the taxes there will be like five people left in the north and have to pay all the taxes <laughs> <laughs> Two of them are Roos and Ramsey. <laughs> and Theon. Oh my God. Here, you give me money, I give you money. Ram Roos is not giving Ramsey any money. I also really liked how that scene between Roos and Ramsey, you get to see Theon in it and how he's like obviously eavesdropping. <laughs> and like course. trying to hear what they're saying. And so I just like that they still included him. So. I liked Theon seeing Sansa and like looking after yeah. him. So. It'll be interesting to see how that continues. Mm -hmm. I thought it was sad he was trying to hide himself from her. He's probably like ashamed of like her even seeing him in his present state. I'm like, oh, Theon, more hugs to give out. Lots, lots of hugs <laughs> to give out to people this this episode. But I do hope we get more um, Theon and, and 
you know, upcoming episodes. I think like the torture scenes are probably done for. God, I I'm hope hoping. So. I'm hoping with Theon, yeah, me too. So like we can actually get some, you know, nice character moments between him and Sansa. Hopefully not the ones from the book because those are terrible. No, well, in the Entertainment Weekly article, you know, they they mentioned that they're they're taking stuff from the books, but they're also going to go off books in regards to that storyline. So that could be a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, shall we move on to Arya giving up Needle? Uh, just shoot me in the face. I don't want to do that, Megan. I, I, like, I like your face. It's a perfectly good face. <laughs> it's a perfectly good face. Um, I loved how they did that scene. I love the lead up to it. I know you thought the House of Black and White stuff was kind of slow, but it maybe it was because I knew that it was leading up to this moment that I was just like, oh my God, they're going to lead up to her becoming no, well, sort of becoming no one because she doesn't actually get rid of Needle. But I thought they did a great job with it. It I was watching it in public, so I didn't, like, totally break down crying, but I totally almost did. I don't know if you guys noticed. And so it's hard for me to watch that scene because it's, like, one of my top five favorite book scenes. It always makes me cry when I read it. And there's a reason why I own Needle, and it's on my wall right next to me right now. I just love that scene. (laughs) Jenny, what about you? How would you feel about it? I liked it. I I mean, I thought it was good that you had that moment where you were like, is she going to throw it in the water? And then she goes back. They, I think they paused the proper amount of time to make people consider it. Oh, I, that was going to like, am I going to add a note to the nerd rage <laughs> section of the, the document? No, I actually really, I love the scene too. I thought it was well done and, you know, hit all the right like emotional beats and, you know, it's her tie to her. She's the end of the day. She, she can't be no one. She has, she's still a Stark at heart and, you know, my biggest fear is for the show and book Aria is that somebody's going to find Needle and throw it away. Well, yeah, I mean, how, I mean, someone else might try to, like, put something in that spot she used. Like, what if it's not there? I will, oh my god, I will die if it's not there. <laughs> I have a question. Mm-hmm. Did they, like, give her an outfit to wear and she just chose not to wear it? Or was she supposed to ask for a new outfit to get rid of her Arya Stark clothes? <laughs> I'm assuming she was supposed to ask. Okay. Maybe. Like, what else is she supposed to wear? It's all she has. <laughs> or she had to look like she was willing to give up her possessions. Uh, I don't know. I just, <laughs> it was just the thought I had. I thought it was interesting also going, it probably goes back to the House of Black and White, how like she's quickly like goes to violence. When the girl was, like, beating her up, she was, like, ready to kill her. Yeah. The waif, I'm like, it's, you know, and that's kind of, like, her worldview right now. It's just, like, it's, like, that's where she goes. Her mind goes just immediately, like, on the defensive all the time. And so that was a little interesting little beat they did on in the show. But um, I'm glad Needle's somewhere safe. I hope nobody finds it. Why'd you give put that thought in my head? I know I can't. It's something I fear in the, in the books, too, that somebody's going to, like, find it and, like, you know, I don't know steal it or something or throw it in the water i hope not i mean i hope not i'd be really sad if needle doesn't make it till the end of the series though i didn't like how in the was reading watching the like game of thrones like videos on this and they're like it's her ties to the starks i'm like john gave her that sword can we can we can we mention that john gave her the sword well they should have had I that mean, it is really her tie to the starks too because it leads up to her saying needle was john snow's smile which are you guys amazed yeah. i haven't said that so far this podcast yes yeah, because <laughs> I say that a lot. But I mean, you know, it is her connection to the Starks, but specifically John. Yeah, because he's the one who gave it her. That should have been yeah. in the um before or previously on Game of Thrones. Yeah, they should have. 
I just love those two. I love brother sibling, like brother sister relationships. And I think theirs is the most pure, and it's like this like unconditional love between the two. Which you know the show never. I don't think the show ever did it. They did enough. You know I understand why, but I don't know. I just always thought it was more deeper in the books, and you don't really see that on the show. So yeah, I mean because of time, and then we don't have the inner monologue going on. But it's obvious that she has a strong emotional attachment to the sword, and he's the one that gave it to her. So I think, you know, and slowly can kind of get it. Hopefully. But speaking better. of less good relationships, Sansa uh-huh. and Littlefinger. Ugh. <laughs> There's a lot of face touching. There is. And I mean, you could talk to her and not grab her face, dude. <laughs> Once again, I was the one that added this scene to. <laughs> Rhaegar Arla moan moments. Only, okay, I know it's not in the books, and I know there's concern over where the storyline is heading, but I thought this scene was very well done, and Sophie was great. Like, just hit me in the feels. I was like, oh my god, you are Ned and Kat's daughter. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just loved her in this episode. I thought she did a great job. I like that this moment spawned the discussion of, first of all, Rachel was confused as to whether or not they were still at Mount Galen because of the magical <laughs> portal. Um, second, that that was not her room at Winterfell. Did we ever see Sansa's we room in Winterfell? Room, so we, we saw Arya's yeah. room. I don't think Arya's room looked that great either. I mean, it's not like it's it's not like a decadent castle. It's not the Red Keep anyway. Yeah, but... I was gonna say this is Winterfell, guys. They don't winter is coming, bitches. They don't got a lot of stuff. But. uh but yeah, I mean, the sense of time in this episode was really, really off with the magical riding through Mount Kaelin and being in Winterfell and the raven that just... Yeah, raven mail. <laughs> magically appears. It's FedEx. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, and one of my favorite episodes ever is the pointy end in season one. And there's a lot of like... Santa writes the letter and then Rob gets the letter and then they're calling the banners and then they're there and then, you know... But this one felt especially weird because it was only that storyline. <laughs> it was like, what's happening? But, uh... But let's be real. The people who watch this show have no idea, like, the distance between, like, Moe Kaelin and Winterfell. They probably think they're, like, right next door to each other. That was an interesting shot when they, like, pulled back from it and they went up to Brienne and Pod. I know Lauren was saying it looked like, uh, like where Frodo and Sam are wandering through. Oh, and, I said that too. Yeah. It reminded me of it too. Or was it you that said it? I think yeah. it reminded me of me, yeah. Yeah, I, I looked it up. It's Emin Wheel. <laughs> oh. I thought the shot of Brienne and Pa was probably one of my favorite shots in the entire show. Like, there are just there are silhouettes on them and their horses. Such a beautiful shot. And she's going to teach Pa to ride a horse. Yay. <laughs> what took you so long, Brienne? You're supposed to be Honestly, teaching him. At least teach him to keep up. Oh, poor Pa. <laughs> so how do we all feel about Sansa marrying Ramsay and obviously quote unquote taking the place of Jane? You want to open that can of worms now? <laughs> I do. Well, we're on the topic of like Sansa, so we might as well get get to it. Um, I'm with you, Jess, where I'm willing to withhold judgment until we see how this plays out. Just because I feel like I understand why the fans are concerned. I really do. But I feel like there's been quotes conflicting quotes actually implying where this storyline could be heading because i feel like there's some that implies it could go down really 
dark and more the Jane storyline. But I feel like there's also been quotes where it seems that it's not going to go down that route. So I, I don't know. I mean, so I'm just going to wait and see. I That's generally my approach to most things. I'm just going to wait and see. I've been pretty zen about the changes so far this yeah. season, which is really strange because I didn't think I would be. But I'm definitely willing to take a wait and see approach with this one. I'm going to be with I'm, I'm with both of you you girls. I'm going to take the wait and see approach. I actually find it more interesting than her her book storyline. I understand people's concerns. I don't know if it was um it might have been Sue on her on Watchers on the Wall who mentioned like Sansa having to play a supporting role in somebody else's storyline. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand um that perspective on things that you know now she's being inserted into Theon's storyline, whereas at the Eerie, she would have been, like, the star of her storyline. So I totally understand, like, fans being genuinely upset about that. And as a fan, that that is, you know, upsetting that she's going to be, like, a supporting character. And I didn't particularly like Roos and Littlefinger discussing Sansa's fate. It would have been nice to have her there, yeah. you know, in some way. Like, she, they're still treating her very much like a little girl. But I also feel like, you know, the way the character has developed over the course of these four seasons, I think it would be regressive on their part and taking two steps backward to the character to go back to that um, victim-lord dynamic between um, Ramsay and her that she had with, like, Joffrey, that she had in King's Landing. I just feel like it would have been, like, you know, going over territory they already went over in season two and early season three. Like, it would be repetitive, and I think a lot of fans would be frustrated, Unsullied and book fans. It's like, we've seen this already, so I don't think they're going to go that route just for those reasons. But I think, I mean, we read that spoiler chapter where she starts to, you know, kind of play Harry the Air, and I think they could go that route and have her be more a part of the story. And I don't think it has to be just her being inserted into Theon's story. I think she can have a lead in her part of it, and I think it's just her and Theon, you know, merging together. I don't think it's one or the other. Yeah, I agree. You know what this reminds me of, Megan? So we read this book series called Sword of Shadows, (laughs) and there's this wonderful character in it called Raina Blackhale, who in a similar situation, kind of similar, is forced, is in a marriage with this guy who kind of like, took the power away from her husband and is now controlling um, Clan Blackhale. And she's, like, maneuvering behind the scenes with various different players in the castle of the clan to um, kick them out of power. So I could definitely see something like that playing out with Sansa, where she's, you know, you just using that old lady who had came into her room and all the people who are, she knows are still loyal to House Stark, you know, behind the scenes to kick the Boltons out. Well, I wonder if we're going to get something like the ghost of Winterfell kind of thing where, you know, you had, you know, people killing the, you know, the Walters or whatever and other people and if it'll be something like that. Yeah, she can even play the Wyman Manderly role. Exactly. I could totally yeah. see that. I don't think that that scene of the lady saying the North remembers, that's probably Santa saying, wait, I'm not alone here. Yeah. There are people so loyal to my family here. Let me use that to my advantage. I'm in a, I'm in a shitty situation right now, but... I can use it, you know, to my advantage and we can work together behind the scenes to remove these people from power in Winterfell. I mean, I think it could I go could... in a really interesting direction if they wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I think people are so focused on the fact that it's Ramsay and Ramsay has his obvious terrible reputation and what happens with Jane, but she's not Jane. Right? She's Sansa Stark and, you know, Jane had nobody. She's Sansa is, you know, She's Sansa Stark. They're not, I don't think they're going to play it the same way. 
for a number of different reasons that we've we've all mentioned here. But yeah, I'm gonna take the wait and see approach to it because I feel like it can go in re- in a really interesting direction, and and I don't think it takes away from her character marrying Ramsey. It depends on how they go about um doing all the scenes. Yeah, I think it's a bit presumptive of people to think that now she's just going to be a supporting character for Theon. I I think if anything it would be the opposite. Theon would be the supporting character for her story. Just I mean cuz she is Sansa Stark. The Starks are more of a lead role than, you know, Theon Greyjoy. And I like Theon Greyjoy, but I'm just saying like in terms of the show's priorities for characters, I don't think they'd put her in just to be another Jane. No. Oh, definitely. I, what would be the point? There wouldn't be a point to it at all. And I love that I, I could see her and Theon working together to remove the Boltons from power. Yeah. Like, I could see that happening. I think that's probably where the storyline is going. And I could, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Ramsay or Roos are dead by the end of the season at the hands yeah. of Theon or Sansa. I mean, for all we know, the disturbing scene that people keep talking about, it could be that she kills him or something. Yeah. And that's, and, and killing is, is, is hard and difficult for people to do. Fingers so. crossed. Yeah, we, we can only hope. <laughs> Not all fans. Fans can't do that because you know, you know like, he doesn't have all of them. At the end them. of this season, we're going to look back and listen to this episode and be like, what the hell were we thinking? Well, no, I hope we're looking I back say, and going... Say... And I hope we're not... It's not a situation where, like, we shouldn't have been so hopeful. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> or they should have listened to my storyline because it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I should be on the writing staff for season six. <laughs> So let's move on, I guess, to Brienne's story. Um, her just her whole storyline for this episode, but also her story from the ball. So do you guys like that? I'm just glad they included it. I mean, they didn't go as far with it, but uh, in terms of her like beating up the guys afterwards, but like, I like that they included it at all. Yeah, and I'm glad that they like acknowledged that she knew that Renly was gay. Like, because I feel like until that point, the show kind of played it that she didn't know, and it was like. I mean, I think it was a good thing that they kind of, you know, were like, no, she knew. <laughs> I was also happy that they finally just said, came out and was like, Rodney preferred Ben instead of being, like, coy about it. Yeah. Yeah, same. Because I find it really annoying. Um. So where do you, so here's what I think for her storyline. I think she's going to take the place of Asha Greyjoy and meet Stannis in the snow somehow. That because she does mention... Sense. Because she does mention wanting revenge on Stannis, yeah. and she's heading north to Winterfell, and who's heading to Winterfell? Stannis Baratheon. So I could definitely see her taking that Asha Greyjoy role and meeting Stannis some way. And she better not kill him. I'll, I'll freaking die. I'm going to say, Jess, what are you going to do? You like both uh, of them. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I, it would be really, I, can't, I can't hate Brienne, of course, you know. And she's obviously justified in killing him because he did, he did kill Renly. Yeah. Um, but Renly was also an asshole who, we, you know, it was Stannis is right. Stannis is the true king, oh as Davos would say. <laughs> Davos is wrong. No, no I'm sorry. Kidding. The one true king. The one true king, Stannis Baratheon. <laughs> But I, am I wrong in thinking this I, about Brienne? I could totally see them no. taking that. I mean, I, I think the fact that they even brought up Stannis in the episode, I mean, to me, I think that kind of was a giveaway. I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. So we're basically, like, predicting everything and we're going to be so wrong. <laughs> basically. <laughs> She's just going to go around in circles again, teaching Todd oh to God. ride a horse. That's her storyline. Does she even know how to travel through snow? No. 
That's why they look so miserable in that picture of them in the snow. Yeah. Oh, there's a picture of them in the snow? Yeah. There we go. There's our answer, and that battle happens, right? Well, actually, we don't know that there is going to be an... I thought they couldn't do the ice battle. Oh, the winter video, because maybe, yeah. That's true. But they have a bigger budget, but yeah. we'll see. I mean, the battle could also be the hard home one. That's true. That's true. So should we move on to Tyrion? Yeah, so what'd you guys think of um, Tyrion scenes? Why don't you start off, Jess, since, you know, you haven't gotten to... You don't get... You always ask us first. You can go first. You have a lot of okay. opinions anyway, so. I do have a lot of opinions in this. First of all, can I just say that my one of my least favorite storylines in A Dance of Dragons is Tyrion's storyline. <laughs> I just... It's just... It's so... It's so long, and it... So I love the fact that the show is, like, truncating it and just hitting all the, like, right beats of it, and it's actually really fun to watch. Poor John I John. like that... Yeah, you know, I'm sad about Jonka not being there, but I'm, you know, it's good because it, it hits all the same beats, but it's also very fun. And it's nice to see Tyrion outside of King's Landing. Mm-hmm. You know, he had been there for so long mm-hmm. when the, the all the politicking at court. So it's nice to see him, you know, in a different location, um, that he's now, you know, poor. He's, you know, has to hide. He's kind of like in an Arya Stark situation in a lot of ways. Um, so I really dig that about his storyline. And I like how they're addressing that, you know, killing Shay, like killing people, actually has a freaking effect on you. Um, I feel like sometimes in the show, they just like gloss over deaths, like people kill pe- people, and that's it. And there's like no, I guess, emotional effect on anybody. So it's nice that the show is actually addressing the fact that, hey, if you kill your lover, it's going to have some like damaging effects on you moving forward. Um, and, you know, he plays it for laughs, the scene with, with the, um, the prostitute in the brothel, but I thought it was really, really heartbreaking. Um, and I thought, like, Peter played it really, really well. Um, so I personally, like, loved his scenes in this episode. I think, I think some of his scenes are the highlights, which they're normally not for me on the show, because I always feel the show tries to add Tyrion scenes, because he's Tyrion Lannister, and it's Peter Dinklage playing him, and he has all those, the critical acclaim attached to the role, so I like how... They're in a very similar situation to with Danny. Um, like they're just only showing them when necessary, and I think it's doing a, a lot of wonders for his character. I would agree, and I think in general the show has gotten better about knowing when, like you know, kind of understanding that they don't need to show certain characters all the time. And I feel like this season does, in general, seem to be more confident at leaving people out when they don't need to be there. <laughs> in general, mm-hmm. but um, no, I thought the Tyrion stuff was very very good and I think they're doing a really good job of like you said hitting the important stuff from A Dance with Dragons but not dragging it out like George did in the books I'm curious now that Varys has lost Tyrion <laughs> like watching him freak out about that if he's going to attempt to look for him at all or if he's going to slowly make his way back to King's Landing so he can kill people he's gonna say like fuck it I'm, I gave up I give up <laughs> Did Barry see Sir Jorah? I mean, he's obviously recognizable. He hasn't changed his shirt in, like, <laughs> years. This is probably the last time he saw him. He was probably wearing that shirt. Uh, I don't think yeah, I don't know. I don't him. think so. Yeah. Shall we move on to Nerd Rage? Yes, let's move on to Nerd Rage. I actually don't have... I don't I have I think Nerd I only Rage. have, like, one. I mean... Only one. <laughs> I mean, we can, we can address the fact that they keep cutting all the lines that we like. And I feel like... It kind of feels like they're doing it on purpose at this point. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I, sometimes I think it's intentional. <laughs> I feel like, you know, they want they want to have their own iconic lines, but I don't feel like they're doing a very good job. 
Yeah, they do. It's a perfectly good face. Is an is no, no, a no great but I'm line. saying the lines that they change uh... from like the iconic book lines. I feel like they want to have their own iconic version of it, and I just feel like it always sort of falls flat because your sister is not as iconic somehow as only cat. I don't know why, or. Ollie, f- fetch me my sword is not as iconic. Well, as... that's only because you read the book. I mean, if and you that's what I, I was going to say. Yeah, we, we built up these words as iconic, and like we're really looking forward to seeing them on screen. And so when they're not there, we're like, oh, okay. But I think it's more so us building it up. In terms of Ed, fetch me a block, like I mentioned before, I think the fact that him saying that in the books is him making that decision. And in the show, because it's so Russian, he's like, Grab him and Ollie, fetch me my sword. It's not like there's there's no like dramatic pause before it or anything. But um, again, I wish that they had at least had Ed setting down the block. Yeah, I would have liked that. Just a nod. Just you didn't have to give us the line, but you yeah. could have just been setting down the block. Just saying. <laughs> we can move on to your issue, Megan. Oh no! I actually have two. I forgot about the other one. Okay. My first is that they still haven't had John say that Winterfell belongs to Sansa. They granted, That's mine. yeah, they could have him mention it, maybe in a future episode. But I'm like, come on, guys. He totally would say it. And for me, and I mention it in the show notes. Like one of the things about like John turning down Stannis. Yeah, he's loyal to the Night's Watch, but it's a really hard decision. And there's something in the books about how he always felt guilty over even wanting Winterfell for, because to do that would mean he was betraying his siblings in his heart, that he was wishing for something terrible to be to happen to his siblings. And so, I don't know, I kind of wish the line was there or something like that, maybe even him talking to Sam, um, because I do feel it's an important part of Jon's um, inner dialogue and his inner conflict over... Um, you know, Winterfell and because in the books, it's like really drawn out whether or not it's not, not over the chapter, whether or not he's going to take it. And a big part of it is like that guilt he feels over even wanting it because it's like wishing that like Bran and Rickon are dead. And the idea is like now they all are. And it's like, did I cause this in some way with my um, my wishing for it? Yeah, because he sees Kat's face. But Jess, I also liked your point that it would have been a nice parallel with the Tommen conversation with Marjorie where Tommen has no guilt over the fact that <laughs> he now gets to marry Marjorie and be king because Joffrey is dead. <laughs> nah. I just want one line of beats. Just no more beats. Even if he's like 17. You know, we all have our food things we don't want. Yeah. It's fine. Um, my other nerd rage was that they had Arya using the word cunt. Which yeah. just annoys me. I don't, I don't need to talk about it extensively. I just... No, and I agree. It's just, it's kind of like... It, so unnecessary at this point. She wouldn't use it. I also feel like it's a, a situation of like each. Here's the problem with HBO sometimes. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's a big, big problem with a lot of their programming. Like, yeah, we can use this word, so we're going to, and it doesn't add anything to the scene. And it kind of is like, it kind of almost takes you out of it in a way, you know? Because it's like jarring. And it's like, okay, well, I'm, you know, now I'm out of the show for a second. Like, if it doesn't add on to the scene. So, and Not Rachel, fan. Rachel has some nerd rage, too. Um, <laughs> she misses... In other news, the sky is blue. <laughs> she, misses, she misses leeches and Ruth Bolton. <laughs> um, and uh, she is upset that Jorah didn't get to have sex with the Danny whore. Because <laughs> ne- he needed to have that patheticness. Um, and she is underwhelmed by the sparrows. 
which I'm sure she can get into. Because um, I'm assuming they'll pop up more next week. Yeah. I mean, so. she she feels like there's not enough history behind them. And I'm wondering if they're going to get more into the history when they get more into the Faith Militant and start to understand the relationship between the Faith and the Crown and how that's changed over time. I can hope, but they are historically bad with history, so... Tower of Joy, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So is there anything we haven't touched upon that anybody would like to? Yeah, Nerd Rage or just anything, like, for future plot lines or future storylines? Are we going to get into any of that? Um, Yeah, so that's a good time to, I think, segue into that. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting was Thorn being, like, being... Uh, put as first ranger because in the book first range the rangers support john so i'm like are they gonna have thorn support john because i know a lot of people thought that thorn might become one of the stabbers and i was like i really hope not just because i feel like you know they've the way they said it's too obvious yeah it's too obvious and also the thing about thorn is that he probably on some level would understand what john's doing right now and if he's first and if he's a first ranger the rangers actually agree with john they're on john's side well i think they agree with john because they know I mean about the wildlings about needing them to help because I think they've been out there and they've seen things and so they understand the threat more than the builders and the stewards yeah and I think that's why so there's a reason why they are under more understanding so it wouldn't make sense for Thorn to them and I mean Thorn gave that like you know epic speech to them in the first season about being out there during the winter so you'd think he would be on their side in some ways yeah I think it'd be more interesting if he does become one of John's supporters it would. So I hope that's where it's heading, but I guess we'll see. I think the enemy of John's going to actually be Sam because he's going to make him send Gilly away. Sam is going to stab John. Not stab him, but I definitely don't see them. Like, he's been his like, biggest supporter through all of this, and I think I think Eamon's going to die at Castle Black, and, like, that, like, Sam grieving for Eamon and then John sending Gilly away, you know, I think it's, like, those two things are going to make Sam, like, you know, kind of turn away from John. Not, like, kill yeah, him. Yeah, I but, think you know. the show is obviously leaning towards those two having a fight over something. Over, well, it'll be Gilly, obviously. But, yeah. I mean, there's, I don't know. I can just feel it coming. <laughs> um, and I guess the other thing that we can mention is that, so they mentioned Grayscale again in this episode. Mm-hmm. And so... I know we don't have John, John Con, but they mentioned it last week with Shireen. They mentioned it this week with Tyrion's storyline. So yeah. I guess they are going to stick with the fact that there's going to be a epidemic in Westeros. I'm just, I just want to get to that because I want to know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, Jenny, are you saying you want the show to reach something before George does in the books? It's going to happen anyway. <laughs> I know, but you know, I know. I'm just trying, trying to clarify. If you're... <laughs> I'm still of the opinion that I'd rather have it in the books first, but since it's not going to happen, I'm trying to be more zen about it. Yeah. Um, the fact that they brought it up with Tyrion's storyline I thought was interesting because I didn't think that they would have it come to Westeros through Tyrion's group. So maybe they are somehow going to have it come to Westeros through that group. I still They still don't need it. They could just have it be there already because they have Shireen in Westeros already. Although if Jorah is the one to get Grayscale why is he traveling back to Westeros? Wait, aren't they going to Marine? Well, they're they going are. to Marine, but they're going... They are going to go to the Sorrows because we've 
seen stuff about that, so we know what's happening. I'm sorry, I forgot what the sorrows were. <laughs> the sorrows is where the stone, stone men are, and where John oh, Con okay. saved Tyrion and got grayscale. That's how you get John Con. Is that where they're going right now on the show? Well, they're gonna. I know they're gonna be in a boat, and I know they're gonna get to the sorrows eventually. So I assume something will happen. Oh, okay. Maybe so yeah, someone could get scale. it. Well, Targaryens are not immune to grayscale, as we learned in the World of Ice and Fire book. Well, and Shireen is uh, has Targaryen blood, so she does. That's true. Yeah. That child is unclean. Watch out, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> the child is unclean. <laughs> oh, poor Shireen. <laughs> She's my favorite. I heard a spoiler for next week that I'm very excited about. Well, you can't say it say. here. I'm not going to say it. Um, so next week, obviously, Jess is excited for whatever she can't tell us. Yeah. Um, it's a Shireen scene. When you see it, you'll know. Okay? I, th- I know which one she's talking about, but. We're excited for Sansa and Theon seeing each other. At some point. I'm excited for awkward Melisandre, Jon Snow scenes. Yes. Oh my Absolutely. god. There needs to be more of them before Stannis and company leave. Because it's unclear if she's leaving with Stannis. I I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll see. see. And as always, I'm looking forward to Hard Home since they released the episode titles. And now we know that's an episode title. Well, they only released episode 8, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, we don't know 9 or 10. I just want to know 9 and 10. But you know what I'm looking most forward to from what was described in those episode descriptions, guys? What? Stannis remains stubborn. <laughs> that should just be the description of every single Stannis scene ever. <laughs> it's like Stannis in a nutshell right there. That's Stannis great. is stubborn. Yeah. I was like, really, HBO? The one true king, Stannis Baratheon, is stubborn. <laughs> so shall we toast to Jon Snow, ladies? To Lord Commander Jon yeah. Snow. Yeah. Until death right. do we toast. <laughs> so to Lord Commander Jon Snow. To Lord Commander Jon Snow. To Lord Commander Jon Snow. Go cut off more heads. Yes. Do that. And fetch more blocks. Yeah. <laughs> Ed should fetch blocks. And Jon keep using the term free folk so Ollie will stab you sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys. Bye. bye everyone. And so he broke that sacred oath that Lord of the crossing and now the cover his kin and they're so good to eat yes now the pie crusts cover his kin revenge it tastes so sweet Can I just make a point of it was a scene with the Red Priestess? So, like, you know how the Red Priestess was referring to, like, Danny as being, like, the savior against Grayscale? Yeah. Do you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of, like, the Batman versus Superman trailer. <laughs> so, like, Danny is Superman and Tyrion is Batman, and all I could think of was Danny versus Tyrion, Dawn of Grayscale. <laughs> Tell me, do you burn? You will.